Welcome to Putting the Real in Real Estate with Dave Nimick, the podcast where we work with real estate enthusiasts to share the unfiltered truth and the reality of real estate. Now our host, Dave. Thanks for tuning in to Putting the Real in Real Estate. This is Dave Nimick. And no, your ears are not deceiving you. I'm recovering from being sick a bit, so my voice sounds a little different. This episode, I'm going to be answering the question, are we heading for another crash? This is probably the most common question that I've been asked of late. And either you've had this conversation with someone else, or you've probably been wondering it in your head. So what I'm going to go through is talk about the similarities between now and kind of the mortgage meltdown, the differences. And then I'm going to finish up with some of my predictions on where I see things going in the next couple of years. So what's been the driving concern behind the thoughts of like, is the market going to crash? And bottom line, it's a reminder of when prices were just making enormous jumps without really stopping and just kind of like steamrolling for an extended period of time. Subconsciously, we're just kind of wondering like, okay, when is this shoe going to drop? I've seen this play out before and I don't want to get burned by it again. And it's totally normal. This is it's everyone is thinking about it. So I don't blame you. So whenever a market is kind of going bananas for an extended period of time, everyone is kind of hoping that it's just going to be fluffy unicorns dancing on rainbows, right? It's just going to never end. But that was the concern when we look back at, you know, 15 years ago, exactly what happened where no one figured anything would ever come back to earth again. And obviously it did. So that's kind of what's fueling this concern about, oh, geez, I've seen this before. Is this going to happen again? So first, let's go through some of the similarities that I'm seeing. Obviously, first and foremost, values have gone up for an extended period of time at a much higher level. Appreciation nationwide and through major metro areas has been easily in double digits in most areas, which is just not normal. So that's without question the largest similarity. Another thing is National Association of Realtors, like there's more realtors out there now than there ever has been before, which I'll admit whenever the market is screaming, more and more people enter the business. And when the market starts to subside, then people tend to leave the business on the whole. So another similarity is what are called ARMS or adjustable rate mortgages. This is the type of loan where it's at a artificially lower than the going rate for a period of, it could be three, five, seven years, short as one year even. And then it adjusts up to kind of the going rate. And this was definitely one of the things that fueled the mortgage meltdown was just about everyone was using these. And they have seen the highest use in 14 years. So that is going back to 2008. That doesn't necessarily mean that all the loans are that way, but it's definitely seeing its highest use since the the meltdown years. Personal savings rates. Now, these jumped up during the pandemic when people were just sitting around with nothing to do and they were still making a living. So basically, personal savings rates jumped up substantially. Those have now come back down to pretty much the normal range that there was before the mortgage meltdown and even prior to that. It's just kind of back in the the normal range. University of Michigan comes out with this monthly consumer sentiment number. And in earlier this year in March, 
that number was the lowest it's been since 2011. And I think this obviously has a lot to do with inflation as well as real estate and, and cost of living, all of that. But those are several of the similarities that I've seen compared to the mortgage meltdown. So what are the differences you ask? Well, actually there are quite a few. There are more differences than there are similarities to the market way back then. First off is underwriting. So the process of giving people loans has changed dramatically. So back in 2005 to 2008, there were these loans called NINA or NINJA loans, which stand for no income, no assets, or no income, no job assets. Basically, it was if you had a pulse and a driver's license and the pulse was optional, you were going to get a loan and they were just going to tell you to pick up the big bag of cash by the door and you don't even need to sign for it. That has changed dramatically. There is something called the mortgage credit availability index. I'm not going to bore you with what goes into that, but that at the height of the pre-meltdown was at an index number of 860 and it is now at 121. So basically it's about one seventh to one eighth of where it was. And that basically talks about how much credit is available, how eager banks are to loan. And that has changed the average credit score for people these days since the beginning of 2020 is a good bit above 700. And I'm willing to bet dimes for dollars that it was well below 700 back before the mortgage meltdown. Looking at the number of mortgage delinquencies, that is by far the lowest it's been easily in 15 or more years. So I track home builder sentiment. New home builders are asked every month what their thoughts are on the market as a whole. In January of 2009, which is kind of the beginning of the depths of the post-meltdown era, that number was eight out of 100. Not at all good. In context, the top number that that's ever been was in November of 2020, when builders wanted to do just about everything they could to get homes completed. And that number was 90, okay? So right now, that number stands at 69. If builders thought that the world was going, going to go down the tubes, it would be a lot closer to that prior number. It's at 69. It's certainly not the highest number ever, but I would say it's probably a pretty darn healthy number. Another thing is inventory levels. So inventory levels are based on supply and demand. Another thing that people don't necessarily realize, but inventory levels right now, even as the market is changing, are a lot lower than they were before the meltdown happened. There was a lot more available homes back then. A lot of them were being bought, speculation and what have you. And certainly one of my favorite movies is The Big Short that goes into great detail and, and is an awesome way to visit kind of this, this horrible time in our, in our history. Nonetheless, inventory levels right now are substantially lower. Every market is based on supply and demand. Back then, there was a lot more supply. And when the demand started to fall off, then that's when we really started to see things hitting. And we are seeing demand falling off locally here in some parts of Chicagoland, as well as throughout the nation. It's not a secret any longer that, that things are changing and what have you. But the supply is still on the national level a lot lower than it has been, which means that 
the demand is still going to be there now. Demand is down and it's changing from the bananas market that it's been to just kind of more of a normal market right now. However, the overall supply nationwide and the larger numbers are substantially lower now than they were. Another big difference is the percent of homes that have equity. That is the highest like since the mid to late 80s. Homeowner equity is an important thing to look at, especially when we're talking about delinquencies and what have you. So average homeowner equity in dollars is more than double currently than what it was before the mortgage meltdown. That is substantial that the average homeowner has more than twice the amount that they did back then. And in fact, actually, it's the highest that it's been since like the mid to late 80s, the amount of equity, percentage of equity, I should say, that homeowners have. So it's, it's really dramatically different than it was back then. Unemployment is always a part of kind of this overall picture. And as you likely know, the unemployment rate is at all-time historic lows currently. So certainly that amount was higher right before the mortgage meltdown. And that is helping people stay afloat because it's very difficult not to be employed for the most part. But the it's 3.6%, which is pretty much as low as it's ever been. And that's helping keep things afloat, no doubt. So the fact that people are just are able to stay more financially afloat has to do with some of these additional numbers. The uh, disposable income in dollars is 31% higher than it was 15 years ago. So that's just a sign that people still have more money that they can spend kind of wherever they like. Also, debt to income levels. So this is something that the lenders certainly look at. They want to see how much do people owe on different, all sorts of different loans, whether it's their credit card or student loans or what have you compared to their overall income. And that is substantially higher, or it was substantially higher back before the mortgage meltdown than it is now. So that, again, is a sign of some financial strength compared to 14, 15 years ago. Another big one is homeownership level. And I've looked at a lot of studies, and generally, this floats in a normal kind of market. This is usually focused between, say, 63 and 66% of American citizens who are able to own a home actually own a home. If it goes above that, which it did happen, it got up to a high about 69%, but 68, 69%, it may not seem like much, but when it goes above kind of that 66%, then it's really like credit is loosening and a lot of the other signs that they came up during the mortgage meltdown. We're now within the norm. So we're within that 63 to 66%. Uh, we're around 65% right now. So that's totally within the norm and is not an area of concern at the moment. Another point of context regarding credit was keeping track of the people that had sub 620 credit scores, which is kind of certainly on the lower end of the scale. When you look at how many people had sub 620 credit scores back before the mortgage meltdown and now, it is substantially like several times the amount of difference. There were a lot more loans going out to people that had lower credit scores, which again, helped fuel the issues that we had back then. Talking a little bit more about new home construction, these numbers overall 
have never after the the meltdown buyers i think felt very very burned and so we've never even gotten back up to the normal like pre meltdown levels of new home construction so it's artificially kind of created this outpacing of demand over supply because the new home construction has never gotten back to the normal levels that we had seen well before the meltdown you know going back 30 40 years it's still been lower than it has been in several decades, which has helped kind of bolster a stronger market because there's just been less inventory out there. So aside from the similarities and differences that I mentioned here, there was one major difference between the market that we've currently had and the market back then, because values are going up both times. But back prior to the mortgage meltdown, it was based, in my opinion, on speculation and greed. Everyone felt like they were a real estate magnate. That's all like nothing's negative is ever going to happen. And rates were continuing to decline, right? So people really were using their homes as ATMs. Now, I'm not saying that hasn't happened at all of late, but with rates going down, values going up, and everything is just kind of Shangri-La, people just kept doing it and doing it, and they were just buying homes. There was no underwriting. And so literally it was based on speculation and people just getting greedy. Currently, I would say it's part of it was fueled kind of this past couple of years of the pandemic with boredom initially because people were stuck and then they were looking at their walls and they're like, I don't like these walls anymore. I want to move. Right. So plus lifestyle changes where people needed more space. They only could work from home. So some of the McMansions and homes that had kind of gone out of favor, all of a sudden became very popular because people needed bedrooms to sleep in, plus additional bedrooms or office spaces or whatever, in order to have two, oftentimes two home offices. So, and then normal supply and demand. So all of that, that's another huge difference between, hey, let's just buy another place and it'll double in value in a few years versus buying it for your lifestyle, the interest rates definitely have jumped up dramatically. They've jumped up two full points, hitting a bit of a plateau currently, but still going to be trending upwards. And you should assume they're going to keep going up as we get further into 2022. That said, the interest rates are currently still lower than they were before the meltdown happened. A lot of people don't necessarily remember that, but it is the case. All right. Here are my predictions for the upcoming market for the next couple of years, I'd say. First off, it is not a house of cards as it was back then. It really was kind of like everyone kept trying to roll sevens and it finally got snake eyes. We are not in that type of market. The fundamentals for lending and just the supply and demand is just not in the same situation by a long shot. It has been, this is an analogy I'd like to use, where currently we're kind of in a car where been on a highway and it's being floored and you're going really fast. And then you take your foot off the gas. It's still a market that's going forward. So it's not, this is not gonna crash, but kind of the pace with which it's going, it's slowing down a bit because we're, it still feels like we're going somewhere But the emphasis and the urgency that has been there has kind of fallen off a good bit. 
but the sky is not falling chicken little. Okay. <laughs> what is happening now is a market at the beginning stages of normalizing. Okay. Now, when the market has been going bananas and then it stops going bananas, sellers who have thought that things would be outstanding for the foreseeable future tend to be the ones that are the most upset because the values are and the things are not appreciating and they're correcting to some extent. So the sellers are going to be the ones that are hit the most in a market like this, where it's just coming back from record levels. Okay. So short term, I will say it will be better for buyers throughout the rest of 2022. The market will be slowing. Inventory levels will be higher than they've been for quite some time. And there's already been several signs of that. So buyers are going to appreciate what's going on the rest of this year. It will be a slowing market. It will not be a snail's pace market. It will just be becoming a normal market. And that's where I see things longer term. 2023, 2024, there's certainly conversations about a recession happening in 2023 or thereafter. However, and this may be a future episode, a recession doesn't necessarily mean bad things for real estate values. Nonetheless, I would say that over the coming couple of years, it's going to be a fairly normal market, but not a crash. Rates are not going to go down. They are going to continue to go up. Where exactly, we don't know. Inflation has been bad. We are coming off of the lowest rates in the history of interest rates, which we just can't continue to expect to happen. So it has been pretty dramatic. I'm not going to lie. But we're getting back into a normal range. The average interest rate over the course of all interest rates is hovers around 8%. And we're in the low fives. So certainly compared to where it's been, you can say, oh, I wish it could have been gotten a lower rate. The reality is, historically, it's still very good interest rates, but they are going to continue to trend upwards. So if you are a buyer, I wouldn't necessarily sit on your hands and think the rates are going to be lower a year from now. You want to look at how much your monthly payment's going to be and calculate it if the interest rates are 50 basis points higher, because that is it's just going to cost you more. To borrow money. So you may very well still want to do it now. So the term bubble gets thrown around quite a bit <laughs> these days. The fact is bubbles happen when speculation is a major driver. That's probably one of the biggest reasons why I'm saying this is not a bubble. It's because the reasons people were buying were more based on the normal, traditional supply and demand they need to buy rather than just speculation, etc. So we are not in a real estate bubble. Inventory levels will continue to rise, both locally and nationally. It's just going to be becoming more of a normal kind of a market. The challenge of becoming a normal market when you're used to things just being bananas and everything getting 20 offers, right, is it feels slow. But the reality is, is our inventory levels are still a lot lower than they have been than they were 15 years ago. So there still will be a demand that will feed the supply. It's going to feel slower than it has just because it hasn't and it won't be the frenetic pace. We are just coming into more of a traditional market, which it's great to have a crazy market for a while, but getting a normal market there's a reason why it's called normal. It's because this is what you normally see. It doesn't mean there won't be appreciation. It just won't be 15, 20% throughout major metro areas in the entire nation. 
So it's just going to become more of a traditional market. Thanks for tuning in to Putting the Real in Real Estate. This is Dave Nimick. I am an active realtor in the Chicago area. If you do have any questions, or if you'd actually like to be referred to an agent in your area that has a similar approach to mine, I do know agents throughout the entire nation and would be happy to refer you someone. My email is dave at thenimicteam.com. And stay tuned again for another episode of Putting the Real in Real Estate. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Putting the Real in Real Estate with Dave Nimick. Make sure to subscribe and follow so you don't miss an episode. You can find our guest contact information and real estate resources in the show notes. Stay tuned for the next episode of Putting the Real in Real Estate.